0: Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And
1: I'm Melissa Fight Johnson.
0: And today, you got nothing but the two of us.
1: That's it. If you're like, God, I'm so sick of Caleb and Melissa. Well, too bad. That's that's everybody here. <laughs> but this is
0: the Parenthood Season 5 mid-season finale. So it felt like a sort of milestone episode that maybe we would just tackle ourselves.
1: Yeah. Plus I kinda I kinda miss it, you know? I love guests, but it's nice when it's just us two, you know?
0: I so agree. No. Oh. Before we dive into the episode, we have a little historical exhibit for our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I like that. Unearthed from the archives of Facebook. <laughs> now Melissa found this. Yeah. But it was a Facebook post of mine from November 15th, 2013 which is about a month before this episode that we're going to discuss. But here's me reenacting my (laughs) post. And it's not short, so buckle up. I have been remarkably restrained about my parenthood viewing thus far in season five, but let me offer some thoughts. One, tonight's episode gave me my first ugly cry of the season. And given the date of this post... The episode I'm referring to was The Ring.
2: Okay. And I'm so just bet, two ago.
0: Yeah. And I bet it was Victor being told they were holding him back. I bet. You're but right. I can't be sure. Okay. So back to the list. Number two I know some people have never warmed up to Victor, but I loved him from the get go and continue to love him. That also makes me think that was what the first cry was about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number three I'm so glad Sarah and Amber have more interaction this season. Four, I love the realism of Hattie being away at school, but it seems weird that they hardly ever even mention her. Five, an episode without Max is like a day with sunshine. I feel bad about that, but, you know, (laughs) you you live, you learn. Six, I love Jabbar doing ballet. I think I love it. Seven, am I the only one who likes Ed more than Joel? While Joel has been the perfect husband in the past, he has literally zero personality. Ed is so charismatic, and I find Julia much more interesting opposite him. Okay, I'm back to 2022, Caleb, here for a second. I'm a little shocked to read that, and yet I understand where I'm coming from. (laughs) I don't feel that so fervently on this watch at all, but I know why I did. And to a certain little degree, I still kind of mean it. Joel is not a dynamic personality. True. That's just a fact. Yeah. I don't think that's the same as he has literally zero personality, <laughs> which is what I wrote. But anyway, and I, and I do perhaps find Julia more interesting opposite Ed than Joel. Fascinating. But that's not necessarily Joel's fault. Mm-hmm. I think Julia is a steamroller and a little inconsiderate when she's with Joel. That's her fault, not his. And uh, with Ed, she seems a little more... Anyway, okay, back to the list. There's only 10 points, so we're almost done. Eight, can Sydney become a sky baby? Oh my God. It seems like they just put her in scenes to ruin things slash be annoying. That's harsh, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) Number nine, remember when Sarah wrote a play? (laughs) 10, I Love Parenthood.
1: Wow, I mostly thought it was so interesting... Like, number one, this is part of why we had this idea, I think, to do a podcast on this show. I mean, we were already, as it was airing, (laughs) typing up all these like (laughs) thesis statements about it. Like, people were desperate for that. (laughs) (laughs) And so it makes sense to revisit it later. But I think also it just makes me fascinated, like, beyond just parenthood, what does a decade do to our thoughts? Like, some of these you still agree with. And some of them you don't. And yeah. what makes us change our minds about things? Like I think about this with tattoos all the time. This might sound really weird, but like people often will admit that they like regret things in the past, but a lot of people really think that they're never going to regret anything that they're doing right now. And it's so weird. Like like similarly, we all admit that we're very different from 5, 10 years ago, but It's hard for us to admit that we will be different five or 10 years from now, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like we always want to think we're our most realized versions of ourselves as we are right now. The tattoo thing is like, that's why people get tattoos, I think, because they don't think I might not always want this. They think whatever I want right now, I'm always going to want. It it fascinates me. So anyway, I thought it would be interesting to pull this up in case anyone out there ever listens to us and like thinks, they're wrong. <laughs> I disagree with what they are thinking. You know, well, hey, who knows? Five years from now, we might disagree <laughs> with what yeah. we're thinking.
0: I don't know. Now, listeners, my post was not the end of this exchange. <laughs> of course, Melissa had a response. So this is this is nine years ago, Melissa.
1: Yes. So I wrote, and I'm really surprised by what I wrote. I wrote, okay, I just watched the latest episode. And then I immediately wanted to write you and weigh in. <laughs> This is the one that shocked me. I wrote, I also like Ed more than Joel. He's supportive and funny and sweet, and Joel's being awful right now. But I think the storyline will be more interesting and realistic if she doesn't cheat, but is just tempted to. So I'm going to break that down real quick. I still think that the storyline is more interesting and realistic if she doesn't cheat, but is just tempted to. But I totally don't agree with what I wrote about liking Ed more than Joel. And in fact, I don't think he's all that supportive and funny and sweet. I think he's pretty manipulative. And I just wonder what has happened in Melissa's life to make her, Mm. you know, like have that shift. To me, it's more interesting than just an opinion on a character. I'm like, who have I met in real life? Or what lessons have I learned to think that that like stereotypical, like, quote unquote, nice guy isn't so nice, you know, like I, I think that's interesting.
0: And do you think, do you still think Joel's being awful right now?
1: Um, no, I do think that he, it, I don't either. I, yeah, I think it would actually be hard to be with him right now, but I, I think again, if you took it out of context and only looked at his behavior, I would say, yes, he's being awful. But if you look at it as a response to like him <laughs> Just finally being like, I can't be steamrolled anymore, then no, I don't think he's being awful. And I don't think I was yeah. looking at it like with the full scope like that.
0: Yeah, I think he's falling short of his best self. Yeah. But I don't think he's fallen so far into awful territory.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, okay, continue.
1: I wrote, I like Victor too, and I think he is a terrific actor, much better than Sydney. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. I still agree with the first part, liking Victor and thinking he's terrific, but I have been so impressed with Savannah Page Ray, and I feel really bad. I don't know why I didn't think that that actress was good. She's so nuanced. She's really good. But I think maybe I was just like, oh, this is annoying, and I didn't think of it beyond
0: that probably and you know maybe the character is more interesting than Sydney but that is hardly the actress's fault yeah and it is kind of sad that I wonder if the show sort of failed Sydney the character a little bit like did they not have any other ideas of things to do with her than just have her be whining and yeah. uh, I don't know
1: that's true she doesn't have a lot to do do i think about that sometimes on this is us i almost feel bad for randall's um daughters uh tess and annie because they really never have a storyline the entire run of this is us, but they adopt an older daughter, and she gets all the juicy stuff. and um, <laughs> she's an incredible actor and everything. But I think of that with with Victor and Sydney as well, like well, that's just gonna be more interesting, like folding in somebody with a different background and you know, yeah, yeah, anyway. Uh, I wrote, I really wish Christina had followed up her explanation about Adam with the full story on Bob and Amber. Since Amber gave her blessing, I don't see the problem. Plus, it would have been interesting to see how Ryan would have reacted. I still think that. I agree with that.
0: what I never considered how Ryan would react to that story about Amber.
1: That would have been really interesting. Interesting
0: pondering.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Kind of a small thing um, that they kind of left unexplored, I think. And then my final point... I said was I don't know why Sarah keeps going off with different guys at this point I almost don't care which one they put her with even this new sexist guy <laughs> but just let her have some stability no guy is fine too I just don't want countless more seasons of her dating life Lauren Graham is too good to keep playing that let Amber and Drew have the dating storylines I think I do agree with that so really I yeah. think uh, mostly I agree with what I wrote but but the the Ed Joel thing boy I sure see that differently now so anyway, yeah, that was fun for me. Thank you for <laughs> being game for that.
0: Yeah. Well, shall we dive in this week's episode?
1: Yeah. And, and now we're back. 2022 opinions. <laughs> yeah.
0: So this week we're discussing Parenthood season five, episode 10. All that's left is the hugging. It was written by Sarah Watson, directed by Jessica Yu. It originally aired on December 12th, 2013. And here's the TV guide synopsis. Amber confronts Ryan about his problems with her spending time with the band. Drew asks Crosby for girl advice. Julia and Joel unite for their family. And Adam shows support for Christina. It didn't really register with me until my second watch of this episode that this episode picks up immediately Mm. after the end of the previous one. So it's still election night at the beginning of this episode. And Joel is... Sleeping on the couch.
2: Joel. Babe, this is not what we do. This is not us not making up, sleeping on the couch. Look, I'm really sorry that I barged in on you and that I spoke to Pete that way. I should not have done that. But I... Joel, I don't want to spend the night like this. This scares me. Babe, we have to try to fix this. For the kids,
0: for us. Okay, I'll try. So what did you think of Julia's apology?
1: Oh, that is a good question. You know, I don't know that I gave it much thought until you just asked me that. I mean, I I feel like I keep picking on her and I I don't mean to, but it felt very like focused on her wants and needs. You know, like it scares me, you sleeping on the couch instead of maybe understanding that what he wanted clearly was some space. And I get that that would be really difficult and painful, but I just, I wish she would say something more along the lines of, I, what can I do to support you? I messed up. You know, I'm, I, I'm truly sorry. Instead of it was more like, yeah, I know I shouldn't have talked to Pete like that, but babe, we have to fix this. And it, you, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, yeah. th- I feel like the way to fix it truly would be for her to take stock of her part in it, which I think would invite him to take more stock in his part in it. But I don't think she really usually makes the first move like that. And and I think now that I'm really analyzing it, I don't think it was a very good apology. It was more like, yeah, yeah, I've done some things, but we, but the, we, we can't, yeah, you, you, the kids might see you, you know, instead of just, I don't know. And that's more about appearances than, well, I need to actually... Feel better before I can sleep in the bed next to you. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What what about you?
0: I had the same reaction and even kind of the same evolution of my opinion. Because when I first watched it, I thought, well, that seemed pretty genuine. Although if I was that scared, I think I'd be even more contrite. Yeah. But the second time I watched it, I was like, this is pretty self-centered. And I, I felt bad thinking that because... I still don't necessarily think it was insincere, Mm -hmm. but I I felt like it was motivated by her trying to assuage her own discomfort about the problems they were having rather than assuaging her husband's discomfort about what happened. Yeah. Yeah. it felt very much like, can you come back to bed because I'm freaked out by you sleeping on the couch? Well, that's not what... That's not the problem here, your feelings about how he's reacting to the fight. The problem is what caused the fight. I mean, like you said, deal with that stuff. And I still think then the more contrite thing applies. Yeah. But it's because that's why you apologize. I really shouldn't have spoken to your boss like that in front of you. I've been thinking it over and I realized just how humiliating that is. And what could have happened if she thought... Yo, you're crazy. Why you could have gotten fired. It could have plunged us into a really vulnerable situation. I hear you, and I was wrong.
1: Yes. I I think that is what I'm looking for because I think she still thinks that he's overreacting. And so I th- on some level, you know, like so yeah. I th- I think her apology mirrors that you know like yeah yeah you're right I shouldn't have talked to her like that but like I don't think she's yeah truly hearing or seeing him to sort of go back to Zeke and Camille you know you you saying that I I hear you I think that would have been really helpful because I don't know that she does I yeah if it were me I just keep thinking what would I have done if I had really upset my partner to that degree and I absolutely would have said some degree, of, some version of like, I've been really examining my behavior and why I thought it was OK to do that. Like why I felt like I could just barge in and it would probably lead me down a road of being like, I, I must take you for granted. I, I must. Yeah, I, I must not appreciate you in the way you you deserve and I really need that scares me I wish yeah I wish that scared me yeah. rather than him sleeping on the couch which I agree that's a scary thing but like what caused him to get there that's the scary part more than you know if, if he just comes back to bed but he still is harboring all those resentments that's not fixing anything it's just making her able to pretend like okay we're fine <laughs> but they're not. Yeah,
0: and pretense. I thought was kind of the name of their game in this storyline. Yes, because while it was wonderful to see him like making the pizzas with the kids, yeah, because of what we knew was behind all of it, it felt so hollow, yeah, so superficial. I was happy for the kids, but not really happy for Julia because, as is their mo, the whole series. They didn't actually resolve anything. Right. He just agreed to pretty much pretend that they weren't having this fight. And I don't know if Julie even realizes that difference.
1: When she says we have to fix this, yeah, that's what they end up doing is sort of pretending and and just tiptoeing around certain things. Like when Sydney basically reveals that Ed is, is separating You know, she does kind of approach Joel with, you know, like, oh, I had no idea. And he's just like, yeah, okay, I got to put Victor to bed. And they don't have a conversation about that. I mean, that would be a horrible conversation to have for him to be like, what is happening there? Instead of, you know, just saying, well, you and Ed have been texting a lot lately and her being like sustainability. But that's what they need to do, actually, is probably talk about that. I think that would do a lot. To snuff that out, I, I think that if if she said, "Can I be honest with you? I really like talking to him. I feel like he listens, and right now I don't really feel like you listen." That scares me. I'm, I'm thinking of yeah. this whole running list of things that should scare her more than yeah. Joel sleeping on the couch.
0: So also, is it entirely well? She says that she had no idea they were separating, which I think was true. Yeah. But she knew they were having marital problems, didn't she?
1: I mean, every time they I talked, didn't... he's bitching about her and like, you know, right? Like, like yeah. that's what my wife says, you know?
0: Because <laughs> at first I thought, like, is she saying that to sort of reassure Joel that like, well, I'm not that close to him. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know. I didn't know this was happening because we don't talk about our personal lives. Right. Which Joel may or may not know. But the last text he saw was like, I hope you're OK. I haven't heard from you in a while.
1: Right. That's not about
0: sustainability. No. So. Anyway, so I wondered, and then, ugh, okay. So then she goes over to Ed's place. Oh, my God. And I thought, ugh, what a scene. It could have gone (laughs) so well. Yeah. But it ended up going so badly.
2: I need you to stop calling me and the emails and... What? It's just, it's inappropriate. It's not fair to Joel and to me.
3: Wow. Came here in person to tell me that. Wow, that just is uh, the cherry on top of an awesome week.
2: Actually, I wanted to ask you something else that I didn't feel I could really ask you over the phone.
3: So I can't call you, but you can come over here to ask me something? (laughs) No, it's okay. Go ahead. I'd love to hear what you want to ask.
2: All of this, this is not my fault, is it?
3: My marriage is falling apart because I lost who I was a long time ago. And I couldn't figure out how to make myself happy. But pretending you're happy is almost worse than being miserable. Sorry. No, it's okay. Actually, okay with uh, being miserable for a while. You know, at least that you're honest about it, you can, you know, wallow in it a little bit. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go back to my tiny little divorced dad apartment, and I'm gonna get this big old man chair that Colleen would never let me get. I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna wallow in the bittersweet melancholy of waking up one day realizing that your life didn't turn out the way you planned. but that's not what you asked. No, Julia, you're not the reason that my marriage is falling apart.
2: I'm so sorry you're going through all of this.
0: And then...
2: Ooh.
1: (laughs) 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 Your kissy noises. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was so fascinated by that scene and also really sort of confused because truly... I feel like often I have a sense of like, well, here's what they should have done, clearly. But I'm I'm really not sure to what degree she messed up prior to the hug. I think she should not have moved in to hug him. I just kept thinking of your Uncle Lyle and his margins talk. Like, yeah. I just kept thinking, comfort him from farther away.
0: And because that's why when I said, like, it could have gone so well, when she goes over there, I was like, finally, margins. Yeah. Like, I get that maybe you've really been getting something out of this relationship, but I think you were right. The nature of it is inappropriate. Yeah. Even if you haven't crossed certain boundaries yet. Yeah. And I think it is good that you say, I need you to stop contacting me. And yes, I'm sure it would be disappointing to him when he's going through the worst week of his life. Right. But I thought that's responsible. And and it doesn't necessarily have to be forever. Maybe there's a chance in the future that they will be in different places and their relationship can be a healthier thing. I'm like, this is the responsible thing to do. And then it just derails.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Cause I, I thought, okay, do I think it was a mistake to go over and tell him that in person rather than calling? Not necessarily. I think it actually does make a certain kind of sense to tell him this in person. But that doesn't necessarily mean either that I think, yeah, absolutely the right decision. I just felt very murky about it. I wasn't sure. I'm like, well, would it have been better to call him and say, could you meet me somewhere publicly (laughs) so they didn't, you know, kiss? Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe. Maybe that would have been better. But I don't know. But I think really that the biggest misstep was was the hug. Because I think they were having some pretty honest conversation there, even when she said, this isn't my fault, is it? I thought... Well, that's them not pretending like they're not doing anything wrong. That's acknowledging right. it. And I, I felt like maybe that was an okay conversation to have, maybe even an important one. But yeah, once she goes in for that hug, ah, uh, it's all over.
0: And I thought, and I, I saw you hear it in the scene, I thought what Ed said really effectively harkened back to Joel pretending everything was fine for the kids. I was like... That was complete pretend. And so then to have Ed say, pretending you're happy is worse than being miserable. I thought, oh man. And Julia heard it too, I think. Yeah. And I think that's maybe what led to the kiss. And it was so funny to watch the kiss happen. It was hard for me to be certain about who initiated it. It looked more like Ed, but also he's so much taller. That it's like, if he doesn't move, their lips are not going to meet. So it definitely looks like he moves and she doesn't, but it's like she can't grow six (laughs) inches. But anyway, so and I think dramatically it probably makes more sense that he initiates it too. Mm -hmm. But she certainly doesn't pull away, and in fact she puts her hands up to his face. So she is kissing him back, and then she pulls away. And I just thought this is you not wanting to pretend that you're happy, isn't it? Wow. Even though you know it's the right thing to draw this boundary, what you actually want to do is kiss him. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. You're in a bad
1: place, sweetheart. <laughs> really? And, you know, I'm thinking now of other inappropriate kisses on the show. I'm thinking of Adam and Rachel. And I'd, I'd have to go back and rewatch that, but I, I do think Adam pulls away from that faster. And I, I, yeah. I don't think that he returned it like i mean i think that he made mistakes we've talked about that but i i don't think he returned that what it reminds me most of i think is when hank kisses sarah as i think she does kind of return it for a second but i think this is more like i think she really returns ed's kiss yeah and then pulls and
0: away. yeah with using those two examples i don't think either adam or sarah really wanted to kiss the people who kissed them i think julia does
1: yeah I do think that's a
0: difference. I think she knows she's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. but uh, And I also thought Ed kind of really annoyed me in this scene. I mean, <laughs> even before he kissed the married woman. <laughs> so much of this podcast is us picking apart these characters and how they behave and psychoanalyzing them. And I understand that. And that's fun and <laughs> often like insightful if I do say so myself, (laughs) but especially when people are going through these big tumultuous events in their life, it does invite reflection Mm -hmm. and that kind of analysis of yourself. And it struck me that because we don't know all the particulars of Ed's marriage, you know, that is not the story we're being exposed to. It just reminded me of when you hear people reflect on their own situations and you think, wow, you are reflecting on this all wrong. Like, <laughs> like we have no idea yeah. if Ed is accurate mm-hmm. in what he's saying. When he says, my marriage is ending because I lost sight of who I was a long time ago. Yeah, And I thought, it'd be fun to talk to Colleen here and <laughs> see, yeah. you know, maybe you lost sight of who you were, but then what did that cause you to do? I have a feeling that whatever that caused you to do, do maybe that is what is wrecking your marriage yeah. like did you go spend a lot of money on a bunch of crap and plunge your family into debt i think maybe she's pissed about that or did you go cheat on her maybe she's pissed about that and not so much about you losing sight of who you were and anyway, and wow and just how in real life sometimes those self-diagnoses are not what you want to hear even if they're accurate. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know what? Enough of this touchy-feely crap. You need to answer for the douchebaggery you've committed. <laughs> that Let's deal with that first, and then we can maybe figure out why it happened. Yeah. What led you to be such a douchebag? Anyway.
1: No, I love that. Because the things that I was really noticing about his marriage to Colleen, which we, we have very few clues about, you're right. But one thing that got me was when he said that he was going to go to his sad, divorced dad apartment and sit in his big old man chair that Colleen never let him get. And I thought... Ugh. like just those those, <laughs> those gender stereotypes of like the woman being like no comfortable chair for you only pristine uncomfortable furniture in our house and <laughs> the man not being like well I want the chair I'm just gonna get it I don't know and him being like yes dear the woman is always right I don't know Mark and I had a huge discussion recently about how annoying that whole like concept of the, the way to be a happily married man is to just Admit that the woman's always right. We're like, what is that <laughs> bullshit? Like, just
0: <laughs> happy wife, happy life.
1: Yeah. Oh, I hate all of that. And people m- might be listening and thinking, wait, you hate the idea of being right? You hate? You hate the idea of making your wife happy? No, I hate. I hate the idea that you're placating someone and that they're always right or that the woman is a nag and that the husband is lazy and he just wants to sit around and she wants to do all the work. Like, I hate all that bullshit. I'm like, yeah. seriously, why does anyone get married if that's what marriage is? If marriage is a sitcom, why <laughs> why does anyone want that? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I just really hate that. And and I thought that was an interesting little peek inside the world of what I'm guessing is a very traditional household where probably him not going to work threw them into a weird tailspin because he's the man. He's supposed to work. He wants to sit in his man chair. He didn't even call it a chair. He called it a man chair. That's so weird. I know what he means. (laughs) I know what he means. And I even found it slightly funny, but I also found it like, I don't know, it was this throwaway line that really bothered me for some reason. I'm just like,
0: And he may be referencing that he is aware that he's about to turn into a cliche. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. But, you know, because we don't know, it's like, well, maybe he's been a cliche this whole time.
1: (laughs) Maybe. And then I compare that to, like, Joel, who I just can't imagine him saying, you know, I'm going to sit in the man chair that my wife wouldn't let me get because... I mean, maybe Julia wouldn't let him get certain things because she does steamroll him, but...
0: Like a job?
1: Yeah, like a job. (laughs) Oh, no. But I just think, you know, he had enough confidence to, like, be a really great stay-at-home dad, and it didn't seem to threaten his masculinity, although, of course, he's a human being, and there were times he was upset about, you know, not having a hobby or not being taken seriously by Zeke, you know, things like that. But I don't think he was ever, like... My my job is my identity. Julia's the one who kind of feels like that. So anyway, it just brought up a lot of interesting gender stuff to me. I also didn't like that he sort of made Julia feel guilty for setting boundaries for him to say, great, there's the cherry on a really lousy week. I'm like, that's manipulative. You know, like she's being honest and you may not like it, but I don't think it's right to let her know that. I think you have to yeah. say some version of, okay, yeah. I respect that, you know, you know, and then later maybe think to yourself, God, her timing sucked. But, you know, like, I think if she's...
0: Or what's the other thing he said? Like, you can come here and talk to me in person, but I can't even text you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, grow up, pal. Although I did appreciate it to some extent in that, like, it let us in on the fact that his marriage falling apart is horrible, mm-hmm. to, to, even to him. Yeah. That it's not like, oh, I've been miserable and now I'm free. No, that is not where he is. He isn't, this is, this sucks. And I, I'm hating what I'm going through right now. And now my friend slash maybe more yeah is ditching me too. And it just, what else can go wrong? But I agree with you. Like put that aside and be an adult.
1: Yeah. I think that's an example of something that I see through now that I bet when this episode originally aired, I probably felt bad for him. You know, I, I just think that's interesting. Now I'm like, well, you have a responsibility not to make her feel guilty when
0: she's setting boundaries. The last little scene between Julia and Joel where they're getting ready to go out to their date. Yeah. Just the look on her face, how she is so clearly checked out. Yeah. After seeing and kissing Ed, I'm like, this is eerie. But damn, she looks incredible. <laughs> she's getting ready. I just thought like... This this one of Julia's best looks. Yeah,
1: she did look incredible. In the,
0: oh God. And, or maybe it was just in front of the mirror with that lighting and her hair. Oh, my God. She was stunning. But I also thought, so, okay, I may be reading way too much into this, but I think it's an interesting interpretation.
1: Ooh, I'm interested. I
0: thought it was an effective choice in that last scene to have them getting dressed. Mm-hmm. Because it felt, running with this pretense of we're just going to pretend we're happy, It felt to me like, oh, Julia's putting on her costume.
1: Oh, wow.
0: And she's going through the motions, pretend to be happy, put on the necklace, go do date night with your husband. That means everything's fine. Now, I think probably the more accurate version of what that scene was about is just to show her guilty conscience.
1: Yeah, I think so. She
0: has a secret now of something that she cannot in any universe spin as, well, this is because Joel was working right. or because Joel was inattentive. Was like, like, right. no, this is because you were weak and you did something wrong. Yeah. And so I think that's probably what it was. But I also thought, you know, they could have been doing anything in that scene, but they had them getting dressed. And I was like, I think it's because they got to put their costumes on and play their parts.
1: God, I love that. I would never have thought of that, but I, I, I loved that. I thought that was, that's a fantastic point. This is maybe a really strange thing because I no longer really agree with what I wrote after hearing all your comments on uh, pretending I think that your take is is the right take but something I wrote while watching it this time was it seems like they would be home free if Julia didn't kiss Ed like this episode seemed like a turning point but the betrayal comes after the turning point if that makes sense Mm. and so like my original thought was that yeah Like they agree that they're gonna try. And then what does Julia do after they agree they're gonna try? She kisses Ed. It's not even before, like it's after. And I still, I do think there's some merit in that. And here's the merit. The true problem again, isn't Joel sleeping on the couch. The true problem is that she wants to kiss someone. That's worse than actually kissing someone. That's a weird train of thought. Like, I, I think it's bad that, like, okay, like Adam shouldn't have kissed Rachel, but he didn't want to kiss Rachel, right? And it, going back to season one, because a lot of people will be like, but Joel kissed someone else. I don't think he wanted to kiss Raquel. No. I think that he was probably uncomfortable by that and tried to handle it as well as he could. I'm not saying he did it perfectly. It shouldn't have happened at all. But I don't think it was an emotional affair. And I think the emotional affair is actually worse than the kiss. The kiss is just like... Because yeah, if, if he had kissed her out of nowhere and she had stopped it immediately, I don't think that would be as bad as her having all these texts and, and you know, the whole relationship that they've been having. I think that's the real betrayal and the kiss is just like proof of that or something.
0: I don't know. I think your interpretation is interesting in another way, too which is the concept of tragedy. Mm. You know, in a tragedy, the hero has a fatal flaw and they are the cause of their own downfall eventually. Ooh. And I think, you know, if I had to say like, well, what is Joel and Julia's fatal flaw? I might say after this rewatch, it's that they don't resolve their problems mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Every time we've seen them have a fight, they get past the fight but we keep saying over and over again, you didn't actually resolve your problems. Yeah. And in this episode, you know, you said the betrayal happened after the turning point. It's because the turning point wasn't an actual resolution to their problems. Right. It was them agreeing to pretend for the kids.
1: Yes, totally. It's like,
0: well, so your fatal flaw bit you again because you didn't resolve it. And then when you want to kiss Ed, you just do. Yeah. Yeah. And why wouldn't you? Because you didn't address the issues of, I don't respect Joel and my eye is wandering.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll get personal for just a moment. I know that sometimes...
0: Did you kiss Ed?
1: (laughs) I I kissed Ed, no. (laughs) But so this is an interesting thing that sometimes happens to Mark and me if we have like some tension or even a fight, really. I can get pretty stuck in my own head feeling like I'm right. And he's wrong. And I'm feeling a little resentful about it. And it usually results in us just being maybe a little like testy or short with each other for for a short period. And then what usually ends up happening is we will have a long talk. Which is the opposite of what Julie and Joel do. Um, <laughs> and in that long talk, we are very honest and vulnerable with each other. And we say where we're coming from. And I never feel resentful after hearing him say where he was coming from. It always presents it to me in a way I had not considered because I was only privy to my own feelings and not his. And so once he tells me what something meant to him as opposed to me just thinking about what it meant to me, I always feel closer to him. The the conversation is always really hard. I don't even know if you would call it a fight. I think when we were together like like earlier in our relationship we used to have those conversations more like yelling, but we've gotten better, you know, and so now we have them more just talking and we know we have to have them sometimes. It's just almost like maintenance, I think, if that makes sense. And I Yeah, I just, I feel better and closer to him after and I don't feel resentful. And I just feel like if Julia and Joel could have had that kind of honesty, I don't even think she'd want to kiss Ed because I don't think she's like in love with Ed. And I don't know that she's like all that attracted to him.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: I think it's more that she is not connecting with Joel and she feels lonely and Ed is like the easier in a weird way option right now because they don't have all that baggage and he is giving her attention and it feels nice. Why wouldn't it? He's
0: always available. Yeah. Because he's
1: unemployed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think if she could just resolve things with the man she actually does love, I think she would almost realize, like, this Ed thing is silly. Like, you know, I yeah. you know, it's it it doesn't even mean anything. It only is taking on this significance because she and Jewel, like you said, are not resolving anything. And so she just keeps feeling frustrated by him and stuck and probably resentful of him and not appreciating him and not seeing things from his side. And I think if left unattended, if you don't do that maintenance, don't have those deep conversations where you're both vulnerable with each other. Because the point of our conversations, Mark's and mine, is not to like blame the other person. I mean, I, I if someone were to say, what's the secret to a long relationship? I might say it's this, like like having to just really take stock of how you feel and and where you are and hearing the other person. And it can be hard because you can feel kind of defensive or you can feel like your feelings are hurt. But I I think it's so necessary. And if it's a good relationship, you're not trying to hurt the other person or be vindictive. You're just trying to like say, this is how I feel. We, We have to work on this.
0: And it's funny, I have to say like, that's something that makes me feel like Adam and Christina probably are the portrait of the healthiest marriage. Because what you just described, if I had to say which of the couples on this show are closest to that, I feel like it's them.
1: I think so, too. I mean, when
0: something's bothering them, they usually talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I think they usually do really hear each other. Yeah. And the kissing Rachel thing is maybe the best example. Like, boy, Christina hashes that out with him. Yeah. And now it's TV, so they are still in the yelling phase. Right, right. (laughs) But I think after that was resolved, I think for Christina, it really was resolved. Yeah. And I remember that phone call with Rachel. Yes. I don't think Christina is still pissed about that. No. I don't think she's holding on to it. I think she dealt with it. And I think she felt good about where she left it. Yeah. And it's like, good. So it's not going to come up in a future fight. Well, you kissed Rachel that, you know. Right. And that's good.
1: Like, remember Joel kind of bringing it up out of nowhere that Julia quit her job? Yeah. I mean, that's because they didn't properly deal with it when she left her job. He probably should have said something to her like, while I understand you were having a breakdown and something had to give and maybe we would have ultimately come to this very conclusion together anyway you cut me out of that decision. It didn't just affect you. It affected me and our whole family. We should have talked about that before you did that. You know, like they needed to talk about that and they yeah. didn't. And so it comes out in a fight. And that's why everything is happening to them. Cause like they just keep kicking that can down the road and here, here we are, you know, they, yeah.
0: And I genuinely don't remember what happens next, but to keep running with the other inappropriate kisses in the show. If I remember correctly, well, certainly Adam told Christina. Yeah. That Rachel kissed him. Joel told Julia, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. That Raquel kissed him. It was
1: like a month later, so I think he gets points off for not doing it right away, but yes.
0: Yeah. Crosby told Jasmine that he slept with Gabby. Yeah. Now, do you remember what happens next with Julia and Joel? I don't. I I, genuinely don't.
1: I mean, I remember like little flashes. I know certain plot points. But no, I do not remember exactly how this
0: comes out. Because I'm going to ask, do you think Julia will tell Joel? Oh, man. Because I don't remember.
1: I don't remember either. I think I would have to say I don't think she does. Because they I don't. I would say that too. Because they don't communicate very well. And, you know, you didn't mention the uh, inappropriate kiss between Sarah and Hank. Sarah doesn't tell Mark until she does eventually. But it's oh, after they've true. broken up. It's after she's already with Hank. yeah. So I don't think that's the same thing as when you're in a relationship and you say, okay, this awkward thing happened. She, instead, you know, Sarah went off on that trip with Hank and effectively blew up her relationship. And so it'd be interesting to see which tactic Julia will take, you know? Will she yeah. Will she tell him? I really don't know. And remember. maybe
0: that's what I'm thinking is that if she feels like their relationship is so precarious, maybe she would just think, Because I think now she probably really is done with Ed. Yeah. Like, I think once she kissed him, it was, I think immediately she knew that was a bad idea. Shit got real. And I am not in love with him. Yeah. And so now I I, I could see her telling herself, if I tell Joel about this now, it's just going to obscure all of our issues. Mm -hmm. It's going to be throwing a bomb in the middle of it. Yeah. He's going to think it means more than it does. And it's really not going anywhere. It's done. Yeah. So best to just keep it secret. But I don't remember what she does. So I'm eager to find out. It
1: would be interesting if she told him. Now, I don't know how this would play out, but if she told him in that context and it was like, okay, confession time. I sort of let myself like the idea of this friendship I had with Ed. And I think it's because on some level it did not feel real to me at all. It felt like a real escape. We were having issues, and it felt nice to have attention, if I'm being totally honest. And then he kissed me, and it became crystal clear what I want. And it's not that, and and can you ever forgive me? I can almost see a universe where if she tells him and frames it like that, maybe, but... Also, I can see a universe where he's like, "What the fuck? <laughs> we just said we were going to try." You're coming
0: to my work and yelling at me, and while you're going out and kissing other yeah, men. Yeah, it
1: would probably be more like that than than the yeah, yeah. But I just I think honesty is so important. With I mean, true reflective honesty and while i think it's okay to have some privacy in a relationship and for some things to belong to you not something like that you know we've we've kind of talked about that but the, yeah, the, yeah the, this would not be an appropriate thing to keep to herself
0: well and like we've talked about before especially with julia self reflection like It's something I think she is really bad at. Yeah, You know, like that she was identifying with Camille. Yes. What? You have totally misdiagnosed this. Your perception of yourself is wildly inaccurate. Yeah. If she even examines herself at all. And like we were saying with her apology earlier, it was still all about her. Mm -hmm. Like you said, a genuine apology would come after you go, why did I think it was okay for me to just barge into his work? That must have been because I feel entitled to access to him whenever, regardless of his job. Even though if the tables were turned, I'm sure Julia would say, "If I'm in a meeting with Leon Dengraf, you have to just wait." Yeah, because it's that important. So, and I yeah, so I don't think she's gonna do the hard work of why did I kiss Ed? Yeah, why did I want to kiss Ed? Yeah, I don't think she wants to know the answer. So I don't think she's gonna even really. If she does, it'd be because oh, Joel is absent. Yeah. Like, well, that's Joel's, that's putting it all on Joel. Yeah. You kissing Ed is Joel's fault? Ugh. No, nah, I think you did it, Julia. Ugh.
1: And while I don't think like Joel is blameless or anything, I, I. Re- in their
0: larger. Yeah. Problems. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. He is blameless on her kissing Ed, I think. I don't <laughs> think that's his fault in any way but I, I think we're really touching on the reasons why I identify more with with Joel in this story and and you know it's it feels so trashy almost to be like, whose team are you on? I mean people are a marriage is a crisis, you know It shouldn't yeah. necessarily be about whose team are you on. It should just be maybe exploring the reasons why it's happening. Having said that team Joel, you know having said that, <laughs> I just I really think uh, for, for all the reasons we've said and and it's really not even her actions, so much as her not doing that hard work of understanding what she's doing wrong. She is just being like, I'm abandoned. Joel has, you know, and, and she's not thinking of, well, by that logic, then you abandoned your family constantly um, because yeah. how, how often did you come home at 2 a.m. and, you know, the, her inability to flip it, boy, really bothers me.
0: Well, let's go to a happier couple. <laughs> I loved that Adam and Christina scene right at the top of this episode where they're eating the cake. Oh,
1: my God, yes. I
0: was like, that is how you take a loss. <laughs> yeah. And especially when I realized, oh, this is right after she gave the concession speech. Yeah. And then they drove home, and it's just the three of them. Well, Nora's probably asleep upstairs somewhere. Yeah. And I just thought, that's a great moment. And then when Adam says, you know, you can... You can tell me now it's just us here. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, no, I'm fine with it. Let's eat cake. (laughs) And I I just loved it. I, I actually loved them as a couple through this whole episode a lot.
1: I did too. I think it might be the best Adam maybe ever. Like I loved it. He was so supportive in this episode. He was very funny and light. And I also really appreciated that the whole episode was just fallout from her losing like sometimes shows will immediately go to the next storyline it's like okay that's done now this you know and and i really liked that it was just let's take a beat and be disappointed that this didn't work and i i thought that was really interesting i liked that very much
0: it's also time for us to say goodbye to one of our friday night lights alums journey smollett
2: i'm actually Feeling pretty good, you know? Yeah? Considering, Well, I'm pissed. I am. You know, we came close, and our message got out there, and yeah, I feel like, yeah. you know, we got a lot of attention for education. That was good. But we didn't win, so. And you know, I've worked for several candidates, and you always want a person to win. But this one stung, I swear. And it's it's like you would have made an amazing mayor. You really would have. Yeah. You know what? I would have. I would have made a damn good mayor. You'd have made the best. Well, what else can I help you Uh, with? Anything? Nothing. I mean, I pretty much got
1: everything. I guess all that's left is the hugging. Ah, ah, He said it. He said it. This is not the episode title. What a strange (laughs) episode title name, right? Like, I mean, like. Title name was very uh, redundant. I didn't need to. I didn't need to. <laughs> but I don't understand. Like, it applies to that moment. We'll have to think if all that's left is the hugging applies to others. I guess Julia does hug Ed. Um,
0: <laughs> Ooh, I think there's a lot more left there, though.
1: <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what did you think well, Maybe of? just
0: in terms of fallout, of things not going the way you wanted. Mm, yes, that makes but sense. But Outside of the characters for a second, I thought Journey Smollett was great. In mm-hmm. her role as Heather, but ultimately I thought it was a pretty thankless role. Yeah. She didn't have very much to do. And it's not that I wanted more of Heather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, show us Heather. No, I didn't care. So mostly I just feel kind of bad that they couldn't have brought her in to guest star in a meteor part. Yeah, like, like Alex, that was such a great part. And you yeah. really got to see how great Michael B. Jordan was. You got to see him be charming. You got to see him be dramatic, comedic, everything. But Heather, she was kind of one note. Yeah. And not because of Journey's performance.
1: True, true. I also think, though, that she did do something important, which was, (laughs) this might sound ridiculous, but, you know, just a black actor coming on the show and being obviously very educated and accomplished. <laughs> and like we,
0: they cut the scenes where you revealed that she's an alcoholic <laughs> and didn't graduate high school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And you know, to be fair, I mean, Jasmine's whole family seems, you know, to, to also be educated and, and all of the- all of that and then Dr. Joe was obviously but like yeah, I mean I feel like we have gotten That's some a good point. Yeah. And so there's that. But it is interesting. I mean, she kind of comes in and does similar work as like Minka Kelly as Gabby, working for Christina in some capacity, but of course. Gabby got in the mix, you know, by sleeping with Crosby. I don't think Heather should have slept with anyone in the family. Heather
0: needed to sleep with Drew or Amber.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. That would have been really fun. Um, yeah, she didn't need to sleep with anybody in the family. But you're right. We didn't get a lot of... It, it, it's almost like she could have been played by anybody. And it seems like, you know, they really... You know, Jason Kadams really wants to bring in the Friday Night Lights cast for like special occasions. And I'm like, really, was this special enough? You know, she was just in several episodes, but yeah, she, and she was very good. She was so funny. And, and, um, I liked how she put Adam in his place and stuff like that, but yeah, you're right. There wasn't a lot for her to chew on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The encounter with that woman on the playground was (laughs) so odd. It really was bizarre. Yeah. I was really glad that they commented on the oddness of it as soon as the woman walked away. Because, again, I was like, I love Adam and Christina. I love that their reaction to that was to laugh with each other. Yes,
1: totally. Like,
0: what a freak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so awkward, too. But I kind of liked it because I totally believed it. I'm like, that would so happen. You know, I feel like like it felt like, like this woman who was like made kind of an embarrassing mistake by like saying, could I promise you my vote in an election that's already happened? But like, then she just doubles down. She's not like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. She's like, well, yeah. Could you do something about the slide? Your kid could get hurt. And like,
0: well, like- <laughs> and I wondered if it was because Adam really shades her. And yeah. I, I kind of didn't notice it at first, but when he says like, yeah, it was a close race and kind of a low voter turnout. <laughs> like, Not right a lot of her.
1: concerned citizens. Citizens.
0: <laughs> and she's like, oh, well, your daughter could really get hurt. <laughs> and it was like, I'm going to hurt her. <laughs> okay, you dig at me. I dig at you. Yeah, it was. I have to say that woman was really funny, too, because when, when she realizes her mistake, she goes, oh, <laughs> this is awkward.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah someone is. get that lady a medal. She was fantastic.
0: Yeah. What did you think of the final scene with Adam and Christina throwing the eggs?
1: It was fine. I thought it was funny. I kind of enjoyed it. But little things were kind of driving me crazy. Like like they were so accurate with throwing those eggs <laughs> that it kind of took me out of the moment. Like I thought it would have made more sense if she'd like whiffed it. Also, I noticed you never saw it leave one of their hands and follow the egg to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the poster. I was like... I feel like they look like they weren't great throws <laughs> and then they were like right in his face.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's
1: a small nitpick, but yeah, I also thought like what they were saying to him, him, you know, quote marks, wasn't that effective. Like for her to be like, you're a mean and you're a weasel and I'm throwing this egg at you, you know, or whatever. I'm like,
0: I don't know. It's funny. I kept waiting for her to say, this is for Amber, Cause I think I had a memory that she did say that. Wow. But she did not say that. (laughs) And that's something that I really would have, that would have been more impactful than you're a jerk. Like, I feel like you took advantage of someone I love. How dare you? This is for them.
1: Yeah. I thought you were a good guy and it turns out you weren't like, I mean, I think there could have been like more layers to explore. This is for
0: blurred lines. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that song was a red flag
0: I also, this is so minor The one aspect of it that I maybe didn't like Was this sense of Christina saying she was fine throughout the episode But it was like, no, I know you're actually not fine I yeah. know that it's really bothering you Which I don't think Adam ever said So yeah. I, 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 I'm I, not even criticizing him Because I agree with you, I thought he was really supportive But that sort of bothered me. Mm -hmm. Again, like, believe women. (laughs) She says she's fine. And her scene with Gwen, I thought, more successfully Mm -hmm. unearthed some of her genuine feelings. Because I thought, I don't even think it's that Christina is lying. I don't think she's lying when she says she's fine. I think she actually is pretty much at peace with it. But to say, here's how much I lost by, boy, it really was close. Yeah, it does kill. Like... Yeah, gosh, that sucks. And just own it. Yeah, that doesn't mean that you're like, I'll never get over this. I'm really depressed. No, it's just really feeling the depth of what you're genuinely feeling. Like that felt more honest than I'm gonna go throw eggs at his billboard. Yeah, felt <laughs> a little gimmicky.
1: Yeah, well, and feelings are so complicated. Like I remember that a few years ago, a friend of mine from high school died. But I hadn't seen him in like 15 years. We were not close anymore, and I didn't know him anymore. But he had been one of my best friends in high school. So if you were to ask me how I was, it was very hard for me to know how to answer. Because I was fine, but I was also really sad. But I wasn't the sort of sad where I was sobbing and falling apart. It was more sad for other people you know, I was sad for like his wife and his mom, people in his life. And I was sad that someone young died before he should have. I was sad yes. for all those reasons, but like on a personal level, I wasn't like, I can't make it through the day. I don't know if that makes sense, but like I know that's like a weird comparison to make, but I think Christina isn't lying when she says she's fine. I think she feels okay. But that doesn't mean There's nothing else there. (laughs) Right. You know, our feelings are so layered, it's hard for us to answer how we're really feeling, especially when something sort of disappointing or even tragic happens. It's like, there's a lot of layers there. (laughs) And yeah, anyway.
0: Yeah. Let's pivot to another relationship. (laughs) This one with considerably lower stakes. I'm bored. All right, well, I'm sure that there's a frat party or something that
3: you could... Go to, so...
4: What? What was that comment?
3: Nothing. Did you have fun the other night at Zeta Gamma Pi? Whatever that was. Were you there? No. No, I was not at a frat party. I was watching House Hunters or something with those those girls down the hall.
4: You hook up with any of them?
3: No, we're watching House Hunters. I
4: mean, you could've if you wanted to. Like, really, wouldn't bother
0: me.
3: Okay. I'm very confused. I was under the impression that it was just us hanging out. Or hanging out, whatever.
4: True, you're so sweet. Frankly, sweet just starts to get boring.
3: I wasn't bored,
4: but... Hey, come on, I'm offering you no-strings-attached, non-committal sex here. It's like Christmas come early. So you think about that. Let me know if you still want to be sweet.
0: Ugh. (laughs) Natalie's position itself, I think, doesn't irk me all that much. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I'd be able to take part in it, but that's a separate issue.
1: Yeah.
0: But her attitude really bugs me. Yeah. She's treating Drew like he's some kind of freak for not liking this arrangement. And I, you know, my mom will sometimes say like, don't should all over me. And it means like, don't tell me you should do this. You should do that. You should yeah. try this. And I feel like what Natalie's saying is you should be happy with this arrangement. Right. Drew shouldn't be anything. Drew should just feel how about it however he wants to feel. Yeah. And yeah. that like, you're sweet. Sweet's boring. Let me know if you still want to be sweet. Fuck you. <laughs> now, the f- it, it just feels very judgmental. Yeah. Like, it's like she's saying, well, I'm more evolved than you are because I can handle this. Mm-hmm. And you can't. That's boring. On the flip side he was pretty judgy of her Mm. about going to a frat party and for doing exactly what she has been telling him she was going to do. Now, he mentions that he thought they were only hanging out with each other, which I suppose when I reflected on it, I was like, maybe she never said I'm going to go sleep with lots of other people. But that is what I just assumed. Yeah. Maybe he didn't assume that. Yeah. And that's where this confusion was coming from. So maybe he's a little naive. He might be. But I felt like, wh- what's he upset about? Isn't that implicit in, I was a good girl in high school, I want to just have fun? Yeah. I guess like Drew thought, oh, she just doesn't want a commitment with me. And what I was hearing was, oh, she wants to sleep around. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Drew.
1: I know. I know. <laughs> I. You know, it's interesting. I think... I was almost having trouble like connecting to this story because I just kept thinking throughout it. Well, they just shouldn't be together. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. they just want different things. <laughs> like, and I know that's really like, duh. But I just I couldn't stop thinking it. Like when they were having that conversation about like, okay, well, here will be the rules. And she's like, the rules negate the whole spirit of this. I was like, yeah, right there. See? And I did think it was to Natalie's credit that at the end of that conversation, she's like, I think we should just be friends. Like, yeah, I think she finally is like, I'm reading the room. (laughs) Like this isn't for you. And I guess to me, the most interesting part of this storyline is I am fascinated by the fact that different people are motivated by different things like at no point in my life have i ever wanted an arrangement like what natalie has and i don't say that as a judgment to anyone who does want that but more as just an examination of me i uh would be very um anxious i think about sort of having multiple partners I would feel really called out by Drew in that conversation. I I probably would have. I don't think he meant to shame her, but I think I would have interpreted that as feeling shamed. And I just, the whole thing would give me a stomach ache. I would just be like, I don't want any of this. I either want to be single or I want to be with someone I care about. That's kind of it for me. And so, like, I'm motivated by, you know, security, trust, laughter. It maybe sounds boring, but it's not boring to me. The way that Drew was like, I wasn't bored. I I think if you're with an interesting enough person, monogamy is is not boring. However, you know, some people are motivated by, like, excitement and, you know, like, adventure. They are much more motivated by things that, like, really don't appeal to me at all. And so I'm like, well, that is interesting. You've got these two people who just want different things, maybe not forever, but like right now at this point in time, they want different things. And I think it makes sense to just call it off. You
0: know, Well, and then, so that I think maybe begs the question, I hear that people misuse that expression all the time. And I bet I just did too. I actually don't know. But anyway, the question I want to ask you is what did you think of Crosby's advice to Drew? Because I feel like he kind of gave him two pieces of advice. The first piece was kind of what Natalie says at the end. I don't think you're the type of person that really wants this arrangement. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, Crosby, I think you're right. I don't think Drew does want it. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. But then his second piece of advice was like, maybe now at this point in your life is a good time to try being more like that to see if you really like it. If that is the spirit in which he said it, I think that is pretty decent advice too. Because it is a time in his life when I don't think anyone's going to get really hurt yeah. by that. Yeah. And it's a time to explore and Figure out what kind of person you are. Like,
1: yeah,
0: like trying on an outfit. Like, okay, try on the casual sort of sleeping around outfit while you can Mm -hmm. to see if you really like that. Or maybe you'll find out this outfit doesn't fit very well. I'm not going to try it on in the future. Rather than when you're, you know, 40 and you've been married for 15 years. You think, oh, maybe I would have liked to do that. Right. Well, you can't explore it then. Yeah.
1: Ed, no. <laughs> but I also
0: felt like maybe what Crosby was saying is you should do it because that's more fun. Like, yeah. it's better. I don't know. What did you think?
1: No, I, I actually love everything you just said because I found myself really torn during that speech. I was like... Mark watched this episode uh, with me and he called Crosby a bro and I'm like, that's it. I'm like, this is a bro speech. Like, you know, it, it felt very like, you should want this. Sex is great. like, You know, and, and, and like almost telling Drew to be someone else in a way. And that I don't like. But if he did just mean, hey, this is the one time in your life, you know, like, like you said, Caleb, like the way you phrased that was awesome. And I think if, Crosby had just said it in a way that didn't feel like, like vaguely smarmy. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah. So I don't know. I go back and forth because I also think sometimes we have this idea that people need to do things themselves to know if they'll like it. And like, I've never had a one night stand. I'll just be real honest with everyone here. I don't ever feel like, damn it. I should have had one. Like, I know that wasn't for me. Maybe some people needed to actually have one to know. Nope, not for me. But, like, the idea that Drew, how do I put this? If Drew were a woman, would people be giving him the same kinds of advice? You know, like, gotta sow those wild oats. Like, you, you know, I, d- I just feel like Amber is more likely to regret marrying Young, which she's actually ironically about to do, like, than, yeah. than maybe Drew would. You know, like, Drew seems like someone who's pretty mild-mannered and kind of knows what he wants, and he's, like, quiet, and, and I don't think that he's motivated necessarily by a lot of adventure and excitement. I don't mean that as an insult. Amber is, like, so, like, full of life all the time, brimming over with it, that there are times I'm like, you're just going to hit your ride to this one dude who's kind of moody and quiet, you know, yeah. like like going to tamper all that down. And so I don't know. I think that that's maybe the issue I have with it, This this weird idea that a boy, a man, whichever one we want to call Drew, because he's right on that edge, that he should want this. Like maybe there's something wrong with him for not wanting this. And to me, that's the most interesting thing about this dynamic is that it, Natalie is the woman and, and Drew is the man. Because I think yeah. if it were flipped, I don't know that I'd be interested at all, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'd be like, oh, yeah. some dirtbag wants to sleep with everyone and still be with still be
0: with." his I'm c-. also left yeah. wondering what Drew sees in Natalie. And I, I kind of feel bad for Natalie to say that. But I'm like, what about her appeals to you? Yeah. I mean, she's attractive.
1: Mm-hmm. She seems funny and confident and cool.
0: I guess. Maybe. Those yeah. Are, it just seems yeah. like they want such different things that I'm like, what's the appeal? I don't.
1: But, you know, at that age, I think maybe <laughs> part of the appeal is someone who's <laughs> inappropriate for you, like or wants different things, you know, like, yeah, sometimes people almost want that weird challenge or or like some what is that expression like you, you wouldn't want to join a club that would have you or something? like
0: As a member, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, Drew doesn't seem terribly insecure to me or anything like that, but I don't know. But then again, Amy wanted him, but then she didn't. You, you know, like, does he have a thing for, like, people who... Kind of pull away from him a little bit? Or is that unfair? Like to his say? father. Oh, damn. <laughs> I just
0: threw Whoa. that out. I hope that's not true. You might
1: actually, like, I know you just said that, but like, yeah,
0: but there what might if be something to that? how he thinks, oh, when someone loves you, they hold you at a distance and they don't really commit.
1: Whoa. <sighs> well, that just kind of blew my mind. Which is
0: exactly what Sarah later on, not to jump ahead says was one of her worries with Amber. Although she mentions toughness, that there was, you know, had her guard up or something. But that could be another concern. What if you don't know how to love because one of the people who was supposed to love you the most didn't do it very well?
1: Yeah. Well... I know it's a young adult novel, but man, I think it's so wise. The, the The perks of being a wallflower, the line from it, which is we accept the love we think we deserve. I mean, I think about that all the time. I've maybe mentioned it here before. But I mean, yeah, maybe Drew thinks, you know, I mean, he kind of has these half-hearted attempts with Natalie where he, he says like, I like you, you like me. It's not enough. You know, like I think that maybe if he were a little bit more sure of himself, he'd be like, Natalie, you're great. We want different things. Um, I want someone who does see me as enough. That's not you. And that's fine. Really, we, we'll be friends. No hard feelings. Like, I think a truly, truly confident person would just not even wait around for all this. It, he yeah. wouldn't accept sort of the scraps that someone was throwing him. I think that he would just go find... I mean, he he's adorable. He's smart. He's got so much going for him. He would just go find somebody else. So, I think there may be something to that. Maybe it's less about Natalie is so great, but he just doesn't maybe think he's so great. Oh. That's sad, though.
0: Well, it's funny you brought up Amy because what?
1: There she whoa, is. in
0: the total surprise department, <laughs> Skylar Day showed up. I didn't remember that at all. Oh, yeah? I did. And now I'm vaguely remembering what comes next, but I was not at the end when the knock was at the door. I wasn't like, oh, right. This is when Amy comes back. Did not remember that.
1: I don't know why, but for some reason I did remember that it was going to be Amy at the door. I don't remember everything that happens after that, but I I, I knew she came back at some point. I was, I was kind of waiting for it and I was like, this feels right. But what an interesting thing. I don't know. I liked where they ended so well that I'm almost disappointed to see her. That's no knock on Skylar Day. I think she's really good and, and but I just liked that it was a high school relationship. They said their goodbyes. Part of me's like, "What's she doing here?" Like this is this is murky now. You had a nice clean thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe she's just there for a friendship and nothing romantic's going to happen at all.
0: I guess we'll find out in the next episode. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> 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 Well, let's talk about Sarah. Yeah. So (laughs) is she she running a slum? I don't know. (laughs) I had a few just little practical questions. Oh, this is fun. About the heat being out and, and whatnot. One thing is, how nice is the building she manages? I get the sense that it's not like a luxury building from what we've seen. But then I think, well... Would Carl have an apartment there? He's a doctor.
1: Yeah. Like
0: Dr. Joe bought a giant, beautiful house. Yeah. Carl's living in a bed, one bedroom, or I'm assuming in a not super nice building. I don't know. Maybe he's living beneath his means to pay off his student loan debt. I don't know. Good point. That was one thing. Wow. I've
1: never thought of that. And that is such a good point. What is Carl doing there? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Secondly, I wondered... How cold is it? Yeah. Well, it turns out if this episode is taking place around the air date, that the average nightly low in Berkeley in December is 44 degrees. Like, well, I would not want my heat out. Yeah, that's true. That is true. It's not technically freezing, as Mrs. Deitchman says, but it would be very cold, uncomfortably cold. And then speaking of Mrs. Deichman, I thought there's a writer for this show oh, named yeah? Ian Deitchman.
1: That's fun. Like,
0: what are the odds? Is this character somehow a nod to him or someone he's related to? Well, Ian Deichman follows us on Twitter. And I wrote him a message and he wrote back.
1: Whoa, Caleb, this is so fun. You didn't tell me any of this.
0: I didn't. And Ian (laughs) said, and everyone, this is real. This is not like when we interviewed.
1: (laughs) Wait, that wasn't real.
0: (laughs) Okay. But Ian said, The Parenthood Room was encouraged by Jason to tell stories about our own families and lives. We got super personal in there. It was like a group therapy session at times. So I guess I told enough stories about my loving but sometimes overbearing Jewish mother to inspire Sarah Watson to craft the neighbor character after my mom and named her Mrs. Deitchman. Funnily enough, later that year, I ran into that wonderful actress, Phoebe Doran, at the Writers Guild Theater, she's also a writer, and introduced myself. You played my mother. Oh,
1: that's adorable. I love that. I had no idea. That is so fun.
0: So we saw Sarah and Carl kiss. Yes. And at the time, I thought that's all that happened.
1: Yeah, but no.
0: So how did you feel about that when you thought it was just a kiss?
1: I. How do I put this? I don't much care. Like, <laughs>
0: you know? I think you put that rather well. <laughs> Thank you. Clear and concise.
1: Yeah, I do think that that actor is very charming, and I think that they have good chemistry. And I think it's all being kind of wasted. Like, I, I really, I think would have been more interested if he had been more of a Doctor Joe type. Like, he just came in, he was confident. He he was attractive. He wasn't this like guy who was dating 20 year olds, you know, and like bringing him back to his like weird one bedroom apartment that he inexplicably lives in, as you've pointed out, and that they didn't hit it off right away. I, I think I'm just so kind of bored by the way that they started that now I'm having kind of a tough time being very invested in where they are. Like, I know I keep bringing up Jason Ritter and Mark and everything, but I'm like, I think a big part of why I cared about them so much is from second one, electric chemistry. They seemed intrigued by each other. They were interested in each other. And it it wasn't this like contrived TV thing where it's like, oh, slowly over time, I realize there's, I don't know. I'm just like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't care that much. And I want to, but I don't.
0: What about you? Sort of the same and I think for largely the same reason, because it feels like they're having to rehabilitate the character yeah, to make us like him. Like, yeah. oh, he's a jerk, but look, he's not actually a jerk. Like, well, which is it? Yeah. I, I don't, you showed me him being a jerk. Yeah. And I don't want Sarah to date a jerk. Yeah. And so now, but now he seems like not a jerk at all. Yeah. Well, but which is it? I, and. You raise a good point. It would have been more certainly believable, and I would have been rooting for them more if he were introduced as just a really cute doctor in her building who liked her. Yeah, and they got along really well. Yeah, I'd and be all in. That could have explored a really cool conflict that we know about, Sarah. I'm thinking of you know you quoting Perks earlier and saying we accept the love we think we deserve. What if just a great guy? checks all the boxes age appropriate yeah. not socially awkward no so <laughs> substance abuse issues right wealthy yeah cute just adores sarah yeah and there is absolutely nothing to complain about how would sarah handle that i mean it would be sort of like gordon
1: yeah
0: except without the weird power imbalances and gordon was a dick
1: yeah yeah. you know? What if and he's also nice? Thought, you know, he's just, yeah, checks all the boxes, literally. Yeah. And
0: there she was drawn to the checked boxes, even though I think she actually wasn't all that drawn to the actual person. Right. And then she had this wonderful relationship with Mark. And I think she felt like, why am I being loved so well by this person? Yeah. I'm a mess. Yeah. And I think she kind of messed it up on purpose. Yeah. And I, I just think it's an interesting thing it could have been to explore with her the idea of, oh, the perfect person loves me in a really healthy way. Are you able to accept that? Yeah. And I think it would be hard for Sarah. Yeah. That would be more interesting than, oh, we started as bickering enemies, but oh, there's more there than meets the eye. Yeah. I don't care.
1: I think if they were like, in college I might find this intriguing. You know, like, if they were just much younger. Because even when she goes to him and was like- We can't sleep together again. Well, hello to you do? Hello, we can't sleep together again. Was I offering? No,
2: but you will, and I just want to clear it up before it happens, we can't sleep together again. Okay, thank okay,
3: you. Okay, Sarah, wait, hang on. Oh, I'm not sure what's going on here, but it was a lovely evening. I had a lovely time, and I'm not sure why you're being so guarded, but I... <laughs> Listen,
2: it, okay, yeah, it was a lovely evening, okay? But I'm 42 years old. I can't just okay. be going around having lovely evenings, okay? I need to be focusing on myself and on my career and, you know, yes, someday, maybe I will find a guy who is age appropriate, who isn't crazy, who doesn't have substance abuse problems. Mm-hmm. and socially not awkward, and you're some of those things, but it's not about you.
3: Well, good, because I'm age appropriate, so I got that.
2: Okay, well, I'm trying to set a boundary, and so
1: here it is. Respect it, and okay?
3: Okay. 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 I was
1: like, if this were happening on, say, Dawson's Creek, I'd be, like, riveted, you know? I'd be like... But it almost feels silly for a middle-aged person to go up to someone they've just slept with and be like, that can't happen again. Like, Like, I feel like in real life it would be more like he would approach her again and she then she would say it she wouldn't make like a special trip she'd be like oh that was that was good that was nice yeah, just sorry i'm not really looking for anything and he'd be like oh okay got it you know it's much less riveting tv i guess but i just i was like the drama of her going to his apartment and saying this yeah. feels so young it just, you know even when she's like i'm 42 i'm like yeah the ridiculous thing isn't that you slept with someone at 42. I think it's that you're like going to his house and announcing it won't happen again at 42. <laughs> like yeah. that's a weird thing. Well, and, it,
0: yeah. and it left me genuinely confused. I'm like at this point, what is your hangup with Carl? Yeah. If he's not a creep anymore, yeah. what's the problem? Yeah. Why wouldn't you date him? Yeah. I don't get it.
1: Yeah. And she's like, I need someone who's all these things. I'm like, is he not, you know, like, I mean, he, I don't know if the, her real hang up is, well, when I met you, you were dating women half my age. What are you doing with me? I actually think maybe that could have been interesting. Like that could yeah, be. Like and a- then
0: maybe they just laid that on too thick, like to have him announce, I don't date anyone over whatever age he said. Yeah. Like, well, who says that? Yeah. I mean, even Leonardo DiCaprio, it's so true, but, <laughs> but he, he doesn't, doesn't say, say it. it. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe she would just, should have just seen him with a girlfriend mm-hmm. who was 24 yeah. or something. Yeah. And maybe she should have pegged him as, oh, you're. He's this. This is who you are. You date really young women. And that if he then asks her out, think, I don't think I'm your type. And it's like, oh, maybe actually you don't know what his type is. Yeah. And maybe that 24 year old was his mark. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, so, yeah lot of missed opportunities.
1: I think so too. Yeah, because I really I do like that actor. I think. I mean, Mark was watching and he's like, "This guy's a little like John Hamm," and I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, he's kind of that level of charming and handsome. Like, it yeah. kind of feels like a waste of someone w- with lots of potential. I think, but yeah, they just have written it in a way that I'm just like, mm, I don't care. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I feel bad about that.
0: Okay. Let's go to Amber.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. All right. First of
0: all, how did you feel about how the brothers handled their talk with Amber and about how she took it? I
1: think I felt pretty good about it. I thought the one thing that I was like, Oof, was when she was talking to the band and they were like, Amber, we'd like to talk to you privately. I'm like, don't say that in front of the band. You're trying to downplay everything. And she's having a conversation with them let her, you know, like, and then literally they're on their way out, then talk to her. So I thought that was unnecessarily dramatic, probably just for the show's effect. But I mean, yeah. But like, I liked that they said that they weren't gonna, you know, fire her and that they asked if she was okay and asked if Ryan ever got violent with her. I thought those were all probably the right notes to hit. What about you?
0: I I liked it too. I, I liked that it was she was immediately jumping to professional things and that they sidelined that and went to something personal yeah, first. Because, yeah. like, you are her uncles. Yeah. I, I would hope that you would be – and honestly, even if they weren't related, if something like that happened, mm-hmm. I would hope that someone would be concerned about the person Yeah, before the professional repercussions. Yeah. Although them. those have to be dealt with, too. And the fact that these people had the studio booked for another week or something and now they can't use it and you can't book the the studio on an instant notice. So, like, yeah, you're losing all that money. Yeah. That's That's a problem. That is a problem. This scene with, oh, I mean, this episode, Mae Whitman is great in every episode. But boy, <laughs> if she had been nominated for an Emmy, which she should have been yes. every year. Yeah. She should have submitted this episode, I think. Yeah. This first scene with Ryan, I thought was just intense, but wonderful.
4: I had a very intense day trying to pick up the pieces of this. I'm sorry. You know, I've been at work all day at my dream job that I worked really hard to get. Defending you and, you know... We're losing money because of what you did to Zach. He's so messed up, he can't even play.
5: Tell your uncles, I'll pay them back. It doesn't every matter. Penny it doesn't money. matter,
4: it's not about They'll that. I'll go in there and
5: apologize and no, take don't. all the No, don't, you from.
4: can't. You can't go in there. They don't, they don't even want to see you. They don't even want you to come there after you. <sighs> well,
5: what about us? I
4: don't know. I don't know what to do. Well, I love you. I love you too. And this is the problem. This is the problem. I can't keep overlooking the things that are happening in the real world just because I love you so much. I can't.
5: Perfect. Things have been perfect. Things have
4: been perfect? They have been. Ryan. What? You know, you do this thing where you you disconnect from me and I and I let it go. The thing with the pills, you know, you 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 lied. You lied to my face no, I about didn't. There taking was those nothing pills. To yes, say you about did. Of those yes, things. you did. You did lie. What, do you what mean? was it? A, do- a doctor gave you the prescription, but you he weren't. gave me those
5: pills, and I don't want to take so them. So you're not okay? taking them. No.
4: You can't even tell me. You don't even trust me enough to tell me the truth. The
5: truth truth is, there are pills that were given to me for for anxiety. I didn't even want them, and I took took two today.
4: See, this is the thing. It's not about whether or not you take the pills. It's about the fact that you don't trust me enough to be honest with me and tell me. I'm I'm not hiding anything
5: from you. I'm just having a hard time. Do you understand?
4: Well, so am I. I'm I'm having a hard time and I feel alone because I can't find you. So I need some time to think about whether or not this is gonna work in the real
1: world, period. Okay? You and I had the same sigh after that scene.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It felt like such a believable way to show Amber beginning to see what other people's concerns were. Particularly her mom's. Yeah. It was like it seemed slow and gradual Mm -hmm. and this so this moment felt earned where it's like she you can't deny anymore that there are issues here yeah and it seemed like she was realizing them in a very believable way and then it seemed like ryan is not that ryan is still blinded by whatever little love bubble they were in
2: yeah
0: and it's like oh the veil has been lifted from amber's eyes yeah a little bit and not from yours
1: that's well put so Ryan doesn't always remind me of my ex-boyfriend, but sometimes he does and and this storyline is reminding me again. And a couple of things like Amber talking about having to spend her time defending him to like her family and to other people, I felt that cuz that's that's how I felt a lot of the time in that relationship where I'd be like defending someone when I didn't even really believe it. Like, I didn't... Re- like, like obviously, Amber doesn't think it was okay that he beat up Zach. And so she's having to defend someone sh- who she thinks behaved badly, but she doesn't feel like she can just say, wow, was that out of line? I, what... Uh, you know, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, so she's having to straddle that line of, like, not condoning his actions, but, like, he's really great, you know, truly. <laughs> and, and that's exhausting and so dramatic. I, I just... That
0: was awful, I remember. Oh, that's something I wanted to mention yeah. in the conversation with the uncles when they asked if he was ever violent with her, which I thought was a yeah. reasonable and really yeah. Fair necessary question. question to ask. Yeah. Her reaction was so... <laughs> I thought if I were one of those uncles hearing it and hearing, oh my God, he would never... Uh, he would. I don't think I would believe it. She's almost protesting too much. Which is strange because we know he actually hasn't ever been no, no. with her. Yeah. So like, well, she's telling the truth, but it, she's sort of maybe not acknowledging even then just how reasonable of a question it is.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I, I actually wonder if part of the reason she is overdoing it. Well, I'm sure the real reason is because... She's so desperate to convey. No, no, he really is <laughs> yeah, great. And she's just uh, in, crisis she's mode. in crisis mode. But I do, I almost wonder, and this might be me projecting, because my, my ex wasn't, he wasn't like abusive, but th- there were definitely moments of violence. There, th- that might be a strange thing to say. I, I don't know. There were times I was scared of him. I'll put it that way. And while I don't think Ryan seems abusive, I totally could see where Amber would maybe be scared of him because he's unpredictable, you know? And, and it's, it's just hard to know, you know, you just wouldn't probably be like, Oh, he would never, (laughs) but that's what she says. And so that, that does make me wonder, like, does she even believe what she's saying? I'm not sure. And I thought it made a lot of sense for her to like bring in this notion of the real world and you called it like they were in a love bubble. And I think that's a really good thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a happy quote unquote relationship when it's just the two of them. But if anything else is introduced, it isn't anymore. And I mean, like if they're hanging out with her mom, like, you know, they're, they, they, they want to be in their love bubble so badly that it's like, they want to make out even when they're in front of Amber's family, you know, like yeah. they don't let the real world in their relationship, I think only works if it's like heightened and romantic and, 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 they're not being very realistic about what a successful, healthy relationship looks like. Like I actually think maybe their best episode together is the one where they go confront Drew's roommate because they're not just making out with each other. They're helping someone else. <laughs> if that makes sense. But like yeah. for the most part it's yeah. Defending him that was, that felt very familiar to me him acting like everything was fine that felt familiar to me and I was just really upset I think about the whole thing Uh, and and I really was like I remember my my memory of Ryan the first time around was I was really rooting for him and now more and more I'm like I I really don't think this is good like I think she should not be with him I don't think Definitely not marry him. It's it's just they're so young, it's so intense, and and I mean, I think the second he hit Zack, I, I think I personally would have been like, and we're done. Like I think that was <laughs> it's terrifying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Zack attack.
1: Ah! <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Ryan, I mean, my heart goes out to him, and it was nice of the show to put him with the one other character we know he has a relationship yes. with yeah. Zeke just so we could hear from Ryan about what he thinks about all of this. Yeah. Because what's odd is that when he's with Amber, I mean, like, she calls him out on saying everything's been perfect. You almost can't even trust what he says with her because he has such an agenda going on, even with her. I feel like we get more honesty from him in this scene with Zeke. I don't know.
5: Maybe Sarah's right. Maybe
0: I'm not good enough for her. Well,
5: Amber's her baby. There's... Never going to be anybody that's good enough to marry her baby. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? I think you guys made the decision to get married. I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think you're trying, and that's the most important thing. God, I'm trying so hard. And that's the thing, is, like, as much as I'm trying here, I, I it makes me just think screw it you know screw this life and then I then I go back I think but hold hold what are you talking about are you talking about no 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 I'm saying screw this civilian life. this this trying to do this You know, Zeke, I hated Afghanistan, you know? I hated it. But at least there everything makes sense, you know, like everything. Everything there, like, mattered, you know? It's important. And then it's like I feel like I can't get my my mind off of that place. I just can't disconnect from over there, you know? It's like I can't I can't shake it. I just feel out of sync here still. I feel I just well, you're going to have to decide which world you belong in, son. It's, uh, it's hard.
0: Ryan's frustration in that scene reminded me of Amber at the end of, I think it's episode 220, New Plan. Mm. When she comes home from the prom yeah. and yells at Sarah. When she said everything she'd been trying just hadn't been working. And like being good at school and getting good grades and having friends and being really involved and being responsible. It wasn't paying off. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't getting her where she wanted to go. And so you're putting out all of this effort and the return doesn't match. There's some disconnect. And so she's like, I have to start doing what makes sense for me. I thought that's a really tough feeling. And it felt to me like Ryan was saying a version of that. Wow. I'm here. I got a job. The job is going okay. i got a great girlfriend. I would think that if you meet someone you love and it feels right, then you get married. And when does all this stuff add up to a happy life that makes sense? It's not... It's not adding up. It's not computing.
1: Yeah.
0: I I was really glad the show gave us that to show that Ryan is not a villain. Right. But he is a complex person. You know, this is the kind of stuff we didn't get with Ed at all. Any of his inner life. Yeah. Here we get some of Ryan's. And then I go, you're a complex person who's struggling. Mm -hmm. I feel compassionate for him. Also, sidebar, Ryan looks really good next to that fire. (laughs) In that scene I was just like, You're very handsome.
1: He is very handsome. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I like everything you just said about us getting a glimpse into his inner life. You're totally right. And it I also like that it sets up him re-enlisting because I don't know, the older I get, the the less I want a surprise. In in TV or film that feels like it was designed to get you, you know, like, like, (laughs) I don't need it to be so shocking that I couldn't have seen it coming. I think it's usually more satisfying when you can. And so him mentioning screw the civilian life, you know, "I'm, I'm trying, it's not working. That makes his revelation to Amber more interesting to me, not less. You know, like like what he was thinking about that. Uh, The writing was kind of on the wall. I I think that without that conversation, it would have been like whiplash. It would have been like, you did what? and, And I don't think it would have been as satisfying as I wouldn't have understood why he did that. And it would have seemed just more to hurt her or something. It would have felt more about her than him. So I like all of that. Something I found very believable, so it's not like I didn't like it, but I, I don't like at the same time, I, it's weird. I don't like that the character said this, but I like that the show had him say it, if this makes sense, um, that he said that Zach had no idea what was important and that because they had like just made a song, they were acting like it was a miracle. I thought, yeah. well, you're not just dismissing Zach, you're dismissing Amber. She was also acting that way this was a really big deal to her. And you saying this isn't a big deal makes me think that you don't understand the person you're in a relationship with. Yeah. And you're going to minimize accomplishments of hers because they can't compare to the scale of what you've experienced at war. That's not fair. You know, and and I know that he didn't think he was dismissing her. He thought he was just dismissing Zach and the band. But it's the same in that situation because they were all celebrating a common goal. And so yeah. I I didn't like that at all.
0: That's really good. And kudos to Grandpa Zeke then for saying, well, it was important to Amber. Yeah. Like he clocked it. I
1: wonder if that's a lesson Zeke had to learn when he got back. Like that other people's interests and lives mattered to it wasn't he's
0: still learning it about camille yeah
1: that's true (laughs) but
0: when he said you know that it took him a while to understand what people were so stressed about and i that all hit me too because i was thinking of it from an artistic point of view yeah and there are degrees to which i think it's a good point like one of my favorite books i ever read about the arts was called song of spider-man and it was written by the book writer Of the Spider-Man musical. okay. And it's this sort of like tell-all behind-the-scenes account of what happened with that absolute mess (laughs) of a show. And it's a really entertaining book. And the prologue, I don't know if it's called It's Only a Play, but he says that several times. There's a prologue to this book where he says, I just want to make it clear to everyone who's about to read hundreds of pages about this arduous experience that I understand... This was all about a play <laughs> that it doesn't, you know, world events do not hinge upon whether our show was successful or not or anything like that. It was entertainment. Right. And I thought that was really clever. And in that sense, I think Ryan has a point mm-hmm. and, and that artists would do well to keep in mind. Yeah. Whether your work is successful or not or received well or not Or whether it goes the way you want it to go, it's not life and death.
1: Yeah, it's
0: true. In that sense, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Keep your eye on what really matters. But in another sense, oh, they record a song and they sit around like they just did the most important thing in the world. Make me think of Lily last season when Crosby wasn't or two seasons ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cellist when Crosby wasn't really taking her recording sessions seriously and she chews him out and she says, you know, I'm paying money because this is my one chance to come in here and record these tracks that I can then use to what you know, promote herself or whatever. It's a big deal. And when you think about when did she start playing cello? I bet as a child. Yeah. And how many hours upon hours of practicing and honing her craft and developing this skill does it take to get to that point? By then, it's like, it is really important. How dare you say it's not important? And I think about, you know, times like that in my own career. Like, do you know, you don't have the slightest clue how hard I worked to get some of these opportunities. Yeah. So forgive me if I'm invested in them.
1: Yeah. Well, and also for Ryan, I mean, when you really break it down, it's insane to consider that he beats this guy to a pulp. And then has the audacity to be like he was acting like creating a song was a miracle. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> is that why? I mean, like, so he had it coming. What? You know what I mean? Like it. And yeah. and I, I get that the real reason he did it is because he thought he was flirting with Amber. But like, nothing happened to um, warrant that reaction. You know, like, and even if she had been like, frankly, even if she had been like having sex with him on the table there, I don't think that would warrant beating him like. That ferociously. I mean, like, I just want to make right. it clear, like, that's not an okay reaction no matter what. But for for two people who were, like, you know, arguably flirting, like, I just was like, wow. And then, also, I
0: mean, and like, here's a little mental exercise. Imagine if Joel had walked in on Julia and Ed. Mm-hmm. In what universe yeah. would Joel's response be beating Ed to a pulp? That would never happen. I, yeah. It's just not part of Joel's makeup. No. At good. And that's a sign of Joel's (laughs) mental fitness.
1: Yeah. Because I ultimately, I think that's what really gets me. I'm like the same way that I wish Julia would have like dug deeply and discussed what happened and where she went wrong. Ryan needed to do that. You know, even though we saw his inner thoughts with Zeke, and I think it was a good decision of the shows and we see him grappling with whether he belongs in this world you don't really see him say, I mean, I guess he says she saw me go off on that guy, but I don't think he says like, wow, I could, I really hurt that guy. Like I, I shouldn't have, that was scary. I fell out of control. And maybe he just can't, you know, maybe that is yeah. just whew, to a place where he cannot be that honest with himself because he's like actually scared when he gets like that. And perhaps that's just a minefield he is not ready for. I don't know.
0: But that doesn't feel like a, I don't belong here. That feels like a mental health issue. Yeah, where is this rage coming from? Why why can't you control yourself past a certain point? Yeah, I mean, because that would not be good in the military either. No, it wouldn't. You can't just go off.
1: Though it would be strange to come from a world where your like job, I'm guessing, is to like stop the enemy, which involves violence and and even killing. And then you like shift over to like civilian life and it's a, you're just supposed to be like totally calm and not violent. Like that would be such a weird disconnect that I can't even imagine. Like I, yeah, yeah I I really can't. And so I, I do, I, I have sympathy for him. And I really like that they have gone to these lengths to sort of explain some things about where he's coming from. But man, I just kept thinking, and, and I, I said this before in the last episode that really reminded me of, of my ex, but I was like, just because we can see the humanity in him and we can like look for reasons for his behavior, et cetera, et cetera, that does not mean she has to be with him. You know? It right. It doesn't mean that he gets to, to have her, if, if that makes sense. And actually, that really reminds me of the conversation Sarah and Amber have, uh, but we may have... We may not be ready for that, but if we are, I volleyed it. I think it. we are. I volleyed it to you perfectly. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't tell you before. I
4: felt scared, and to I'd... tell me. <laughs> I didn't know how to how to bring it up, and I knew. I knew that you're you're nervous about things with Ryan, and I. But I need you to know that, you know. He loves me so much. And that being said, if it is at all possible, if we can try to talk about it person to person, with you not, you know, as my mom, I would really like to get your advice on this as a person that I trust and respect because it's- Okay. I need a little help. Okay. I am just a person who is not your mother. Okay. Okay.
2: And I used to worry, in fact, that you would have trouble falling in love, like really falling in love, because we had this kind of toughness. And I would say you're just so brave and so strong. And I know that no matter what, you can handle it.
4: Thank you so much. What about as my mom?
2: As your mom, I think just because you're tough enough to handle it doesn't mean it's what i want for you
0: ah and then i cry and i cry and i
1: cry yeah damn but i think that's it exactly right it's like we can look for reasons why ryan behaves the way he does and of course we can say that he deserves love like anyone else Mm -hmm. but we can also say it doesn't have to be amber amber doesn't have to deal with all of that like and and in fact, it might be ultimately a happier, healthier life if she doesn't.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That's hard.
0: Calling back to that Facebook post from nine years ago when I said I'm glad there are more opportunities for Sarah and Amber to interact yeah. I, I was like, they're bringing out the big guns in this episode. Because honestly, once I saw the two of them on a the couch, I was like, oh, forget it. Yeah. I, I know this is going... Somewhere where I'm just going to be a basket case. Yeah. And it was such a satisfying place to arrive at after all of the conflict between them yes. about Ryan at the beginning of the season. It seemed like both of them, especially Amber, were in a place where they like could grant each other the best of intentions. Yeah. Like, like OK, we know we're not trying to piss each other off. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be supportive of each other. And now we can just be honest and hear what we have to say. And then what Sarah ultimately said, it just felt like such a mom thing to say. And I don't mean that in an eye-rolly way. I mean it in the best way. Like I could imagine my mom saying the exact same thing, that this is not about me not thinking you can handle it. Right. It's me not wanting you to have to handle it. Yeah. And it's like, what parent would feel any other way? It just... (laughs) Of course, you don't want your child to struggle through something that painful. And, you know, what you said about Ryan and Zeke's conversation, setting up Ryan's decision in -hmm. that next scene really well. Now I wonder if this doesn't set up Amber's decision in the next scene very well. Because Amber has this scene and then her takeaway is, yep, I'm going to recommit to Ryan. Yeah. What? I know. My takeaway is, this is bad for you.
1: Yeah. You should, you should go. Yeah. I
0: But I guess she heard the not-her-mom person's speech <laughs> more than her mom's.
1: Yeah. You know what's so interesting, too? Like, Zeke says something that the more I think about it, the more I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, the way that he says to Ryan, well, she's her baby. No one's ever good enough for her baby. And I'm like, what? I think that's so not what's happening here. Like, I think, right. you know, like... I think that probably there's some truth in she probably wouldn't want Amber to marry anyone right now because she's so young still. But Sarah doesn't seem like the sort of person who'd be like, this person's just not good enough. I mean, like, I think Zeke's really dismissing the very good reasons why people would have reservations about Ryan. And I I thought maybe he was just trying to diminish those. (laughs) But...
0: um, Especially when in this very scene... Sarah says, "I worried about you not being able to fall in love." So, so clearly, something she wants for her daughter yeah. is to fall in love. Imagine Adam saying that about Hattie. No, you know?
1: yeah, <laughs> no, nope. no. Don't date do till you're thirty. Like you know, <laughs> like yeah,
0: that.
1: yeah. I I feel like he really missed the mark there. Like that is not at all Sarah's concern. It's not like well. Ryan's perfect, but you know me, no one's ever going to be good enough yeah. for Amber. That's not what's maybe happening. Maybe he was
0: just placating Ryan. Yeah,
1: maybe. Or maybe it's a like an interesting example of like people can only see what they see. Like maybe if Zeke sees a lot of himself in Ryan, he doesn't want to acknowledge, you know, just how problematic he is, perhaps. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, he's being awfully forgiving, of him like beating up a stranger, (laughs) like, which good. I mean, he deserves to have someone on, you know, his side looking out for him and everything, but I don't know. It's, it's wild behavior, Yeah, you know? And I feel like Zeke could even stand to be like, well, that was scary. (laughs) You know, like you, you scared them. I see where you're coming from maybe in ways they don't, but you have to see where they're coming from that, that would throw them like, you know, like he, he barely acknowledges you know, and even when he's giving his advice, I'm now realizing everything Zeke says is really weird. He's like, well, I think <laughs> you're trying. That's the good thing. I think you're, it's good you're getting married. I'm like, is it? Is it good that they're getting married? You know, like it just, yeah. I don't even know what he's talking about. The more To your go,
0: granddaughter who you just picked up at the police
1: station? Yeah, you're glad this is happening still? That's what you have to say? I don't know. It's a little strange the more I think about it. <laughs>
0: Boy, when Camille's gone, he really... <laughs> He's just rudderless
1: <laughs> yeah he's like I don't know what I think um but I you know I loved the the talk with with Sarah and Amber and I thought it made a lot more sense than Zeke and Ryan's talk but then interestingly the fallout from Zeke and Ryan's talk makes a lot more sense like oh yep so he re-enlists then you're totally right why is Amber's takeaway recommitting to Ryan that doesn't make that doesn't make sense. Yeah. But I guess these things don't make sense always. Like, you know, I mean, she does kind of approach Ryan, like saying all the things like, well, this won't work. This won't work. But I love you. And that's what makes us amazing (laughs) together. Like maybe she just can't do it. She just loves him too much.
0: That last scene between Mm. them is just devastating. I really loved the choice to cut out the sound. Yeah. Once he said he had reenlisted. So you don't even hear her What looks like wailing. Yeah. Oh, that was really effective.
1: Yeah. You know, my main question for you after seeing that scene and seeing his decision to reenlist. Was Ryan being selfless or selfish by reenlisting? Like, did he do that just for himself because he can't take this life? Or was he on some level protecting Amber from him because he knows he can't be what she needs him to be?
0: My gut says selfish.
1: Really? That's interesting.
0: That has such a negative connotation, but I don't feel like he thinks he's bad for Amber. Mm. I'm not sure he's seen that element of this problem. I much more get the sense that he feels like he's drowning. You know, like I said, when Amber needed the new plan, like I feel like this is Ryan's new plan. He is trying to make his life work and Mm. Amber's a big part of that. And it just isn't. And so I think he's thinking, how do I make my world make sense to me? Yeah. It feels all about himself. But I don't think he's consciously thinking, well, forget Amber. I need to do what's right for me. I think he's just feeling like, well, this feels endangered. And clearly I'm not steering this in the right direction. So maybe I just need to go back where things make sense.
1: I'm just wondering why on earth he wouldn't have told her he was thinking about doing this before he did it. And that was the only reason I thought maybe it was a selfless thing, because he suspected maybe she would try to talk him out of it. So if he's protecting her, well, then I've got to just do it so that she can't talk me out of it. Because if it's selfish and he's trying to make sense of his life and he told her he was thinking about this and she talks him out of it, wouldn't he be happy? Wouldn't he be like, okay okay, yeah, I won't do that. I'll I'll recommit to you two, and we'll make this work.
0: I think it could still be selfish. Yeah, I think you're right. This is what I want to do. Don't talk me out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because it's going to make me feel better. I
1: just can't believe he wouldn't talk to her. Like, I mean, Julia quits her job. <laughs> Ryan reenlists. I mean, now I'm seeing weird parallels there. You know, like, you have to talk to the other person in your relationship before you make major life changes. I mean, but I guess this just shows us he's not ready for a major yeah. relationship but then i'm like did they break up like i'm actually not sure like they were together last time when he went overseas you know is he under the impression that she will wait for him are they gonna oh. you know what i mean like i sort of read this as a breakup but now i'm like maybe it's not maybe he's that's like, a good question because
0: yeah. i sure read it as a breakup too yeah but you're right yeah he has been deployed before
1: yeah i don't know
0: the whole episode to me felt like a real reset. I mean, maybe it was because I knew that the show like takes a month long break after this. Yeah. And, but certain storylines feel over. And I included Amber and Ryan mm-hmm. in that. Although I suppose you're right. We don't know that for sure. Christina running for mayor. It's like, okay, that's done. That's I don't done. think we're going to get any more of that.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm like, maybe Drew and Natalie. Yeah. Who knows? But then other storylines felt like, well, Joel and Julia, like that storyline is just hitting its stride yeah and then maybe sarah and carl like that feels like there's more Mm -hmm. to come
1: yeah that's an interesting thing yeah reset and 10 episodes in i kept thinking it's really interesting what they can do in such a short amount of time like julia and joel's relationship issues i don't even really think started until the second episode of this season so i'm like really nine episodes that's and it it felt pretty well paced to me like like yeah. yeah
0: although i think it's wild to think about like if this show were created for a streaming service yeah there almost certainly wouldn't be 103 total episodes right right and nine episodes would be 90 percent of a season
1: gosh good point and it's like,
0: imagine them having to do this in that time frame mm-hmm. i think it would feel rushed it's one of the things I think is a downside of streaming mm-hmm. is that shows don't have as many episodes. And the fact that this storyline in season five was so well prepared in the four previous seasons. Yeah, that we've seen dozens upon dozens of episodes of Joel and Julia together where the seeds of this were planted and I like we've said before we didn't really see it the first time we watched but this time we're seeing it all over the place i'm like sometimes quantity is so helpful yeah because yeah. it just helps things not feel laid out for only one purpose it's like well maybe those other incidents were just isolated incidents and now in season 5 we discover no nope, they weren't
1: i think you're totally right because they certainly in a in a smaller number of episodes they would have been able to foreshadow Julia and Joel having problems, but maybe too well, you know? Like you would have seen where all those dots were connecting to or whatever metaphor, yeah. Yeah. This, you're totally right. It just felt, I mean, we were able to miss it the first time because they were buried in a lot of happy moments as well. And so, you know, and I almost wonder if they were like doing all this saying we could do this if if we got another season, if we were able to cuz you know, they were always on the bubble. Maybe it would have yeah. ended season 4 and then they wouldn't have explored Julia and Joel's marriage. But you know, it's almost like it was like a back pocket idea. Like, we'll just sprinkle these things in, we might have a chance to mine that later. And I think with streaming, there's less of that. Like, let's just see where it goes. You know, it's more like everything has to be so carefully mapped out, which I think a lot of people consider a good thing. They're like, television is better. It's more streamlined. But I like meandering stuff. Like, I remember in the first few seasons of Friends, they had a lot more of them just sitting around watching TV and making comments about what they were watching. And I loved the realism of that. And and part of what I liked about that show was just hanging out with everybody. It wasn't like I needed everything to be a big dramatic storyline that was heading somewhere. And it feels like with streaming, that's what everything is, you know, that nothing happens just to happen. And I don't know that I consider that a plus.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like if you were to say no book should be over 400 pages. Right. I agree. Most books should not be over 400 pages. Yeah. But when you are when you read a great thousand page book. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you're done, you're like, oh, I wish it was 2,000 pages. That is a joy all of its own. And yeah, I sometimes, like I just finished watching Cheers, which is maybe not a great example because I I didn't wish it were twice as long, but (laughs) that was 275 episodes. And I just think, what are the odds that there will ever be another TV show that is 275 episodes? Yeah. I think, very, very low. Yeah. I mean, they were already low, even if streaming <laughs> didn't come along. That was a rarity to run that long. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even Parenthood is 103 episodes. I just finished the series Love, Victor, after three seasons. It's 28 episodes total, the whole series. The whole series. And they're a half hour. So I'm like, this whole series is 14 hours of television?
1: Yeah.
0: I can't get lost in that.
1: Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Was the theme just like a reset and also maybe this idea of pretending? I liked, I liked that, you know, Drew can't pretend to be someone else and Ryan can't pretend to be someone else either. Like, I think it really kind of extends more than the hugging. I think that that might've been,
0: Amber did go to Sarah for a hug. All that was left for her was a hug from her mom. Oh,
1: you're right. Oh, that's good.
0: Doesn't really work with Natalie and Drew. No.
1: Does it work with Sarah and Carl? All that was left was the hugging in the dark after the heaters went out. Well,
0: if her boundary includes hugging, but nothing beyond it, then all that's left is the hugging. (laughs) I like that. I have a feeling that boundary isn't too solid, though.
1: No, I don't think that's going to stick.
0: Well, that'll do it for the first half of Parenthood season five. But it's a long one, folks. So we've got even, it's not technically even halfway. It's a little before halfway.
1: Yeah, so please join us for the rest of season five, which will be coming at you shortly. And while you're at it, while I'm commanding you to do things, please check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parenthood Pals everywhere.
0: And I demand that you visit <laughs> ParenthoodPals.com.
1: Stop everything. Do it now. Okay.
0: <laughs> Unless you're driving.
1: Yeah, that please continue to drive. Arrive safely at your location.
0: Thank you as always for listening. And until next time, may God bless and keep you always.
1: And may your wishes all come true.